When Amazon recently purchased MGM, the tech giant became partners with Eon Studios, who has guided the James Bond film franchise since 1962. News of Amazon's sudden involvement in the Bond universe sent waves of both fear and excitement through the fan community. The ongoing speculation by journalists and industry insiders raises an intriguing question. Is the James Bond franchise the most important and unique franchise in cinematic history? This is Mad Unreal, episode 38. Let's go! So Isaac, you know, I gotta say that it's, it feels good to talk about James Bond knowing that, I mean, 97% knowing with confidence that the film is actually going to release when they say that it's going to release. Excuse me. Didn't you say that last year, though? I mean, <laughs> nah. last year you were you were completely on the it's going to streaming. Uh, trend. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last that I talked about it, I I speculated that it would be a good acquisition. I forget. I'm thinking the Peacock Network. Like I was thinking like James Bond is low hanging fruit mm-hmm. from the standpoint of being able to boost subscriptions and actually be a major attraction mm-hmm. for a new streaming service. What I didn't expect was that Amazon would leverage it for their own prime video service. Mm -hmm. Well, but I think what happened, though, last year when Apple kind of um, Apple, I think it was Apple and Amazon um, or maybe it was Apple and Netflix kind of like made a, you know, soft bid for no time to die. And I think mm-hmm. they were thinking, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was 500 million or something like that, that they were willing to pay. And then it's like, no, nah, yeah. Amazon was like, we need a bill, you know? And it was yeah. like, nah, this, or I think they were like at least 800 million or something. Mm-hmm. Um, to me though, that was the, that was just a sharp indicator that this film, the franchise in general, which we're going to talk about today, but in particular, just talking about no time to die. Um, Eon does not see that as a, hitting streaming service first you know barbara broccoli and michael wilson michael g wilson that's not their thing and that was made definitive you know last year and i think what's happened over the last week and a half has only emphasized that point which we're about to get into you know i have seen i've seen a few news articles where investors have said that amazon overpaid Mm mm-hmm that they should have paid, you know, seven billion as opposed to more yeah, than I think eight. it was five to six was like the the kind of like the going like everybody it was, was that thinking, low? Yeah, it was five to six bill, and, yeah. And my thing is, well maybe that extra billion was because of Eon specifically <laughs> to be able to basically just grease the wheels mm-hmm. for them to be able to get No Time to Die mm-hmm. on Prime Video sooner rather than later. Maybe not day one, mm. but maybe, you know, day thirty one. Mm. We'll find out. Let's get into it, man. This is this is this is exciting. It's a lot to talk about. So let's let's jump into it. I think the place to start with this conversation, um, first of all, let's let's talk about uh, just uh, just to educate the audience just a little bit for those who don't know, um, and for those who do know, you can probably educate us a little bit more and get into the nitty gritty of it. But the deal between Eon, and when we say Eon, we're talking about Barbara Broccoli. Michael G. Wilson, Barbara Broccoli, mm-hmm. the daughter of Covey um, Broccoli, who, along with Harry Saltzman, um, were the original producers of Dr. No, 
mm-hmm. struck the deal. You know, that wasn't the first time James Bond appeared in any in, in any form outside of the books. You had, I think there was a television, an American television special in the 1950s was like the first time. Um, I think there was a radio program somewhere in South Africa. I heard that, you know, that was that was preceded Dr. No. But in any regard, Dr. No is the jump off theatrical theatrical, you know, manifestation of James Bond. Um, so that deal was that the original producers of that deal have handed that to, you know, the daughter of Cubby Broccoli, Barbara mm-hmm. Broccoli and his um, his son, uh, Michael G. Wilson. So these and they're and they're half siblings and they've run this, you know, this empire for the last few decades. And they have a deal with MGM that goes all the way back to that, you know, those original movies where they own half of the James Bond franchise. Eon owns half. MGM mm-hmm. owns half. And what's unusual about the deal, though, you know, MGM distributes it. And then, um, you know, Eon creates the movie, MGM distributes mm-hmm. it, and then they split the profits, basically. But what's interesting and unique about the deal is that Eon has an, an, an enormous amount of artistic control over James Bond, meaning yeah. Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson. They get to choose who the next Bond will be. They get to choose how the films are released. Um, it is because of their decision making that this franchise um, has not expanded into television, you know, has not expanded mm-hmm. into spinoff films, so on and so forth. So it's a very unique situation within the Hollywood structure. And I think the question that we're posing today, and we'll get to that in a minute, is whether or not that uniqueness and difference makes it important and how important does it make this franchise? Um, but I don't know, unless you had anything else to add to that, I think a good place to start would be this John Logan op-ed. What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. So John, John Logan is the co-writer of, um, two films, two Bond movies, Skyfall and Spectre. Skyfall, of course, being the most profitable, um, I believe when you, even when you adjust it for inflation, I think Skyfall is number one, or maybe if Skyfall is the number one, it may be right behind Thunderball, um, as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, the most profitable Bond film of all time. Um, but John Logan is the co-writer of those two movies, uh, Skyfall and Spectre. He wrote an op-ed for, I believe this was in the New York Times, Arthur, I think, because you sent yeah. this to me. This was mm-hmm. So this is the New York Times. John Logan wrote this op-ed May 31st. So this is shortly after the um, Amazon acquisition of MGM was announced. So I'm going to read a little bit of this to you because I think this is um, whether or not we agree. And we'll debate over this for the rest of this episode. But whether or not we agree with it, I think it's important um, the way he phrased this, especially he being an insider, you know, not only to Eon and James Bond, but also being an insider in the industry itself. He also uh, co-wrote, I believe, Gladiator, um, uh, the Ridley Scott movie um, and the Aviator, Sweeney Todd, Rango. So, this, you know, he has this. is This is a very uh, he's a he vet. has some skill. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a vet. He's a vet. Um, so from directly from the article. With the acquisition of MGM and its movie catalog, the online retail giant bought into the James Bond franchise. Talking about Amazon. When I heard this week, when I heard this news, a chill went through me. Having worked as a writer on Skyfall and Spectre, I know that Bond isn't just another franchise, not a Marvel or a DC. It is a family business that has been carefully nurtured and shepherded through the the changing times by the Broccoli slash Wilson family. Work sessions on Skyfall and Spectre were like hearty discussions around the dinner table with Barbara Broccoli and her half-brother Michael Wilson letting all the unruly children talk. Every crazy aunt or eccentric uncle had it or was given a voice. We discussed and debated and came to a resolution, as families must, with no outside voices in the room. 
when you work on Bond movies, you're not just an employee, you're part of that family. The reason we're still watching Bond movies after more than 50 years is that the family has done an extraordinary job of protecting the character through the thickets of movie making and changing public tastes. Corporate partners come and go, but James Bond endures. He endures it precisely because he is being protected by people who love him. So we'll get to more of that. Um, back to that in a moment. Um, one other thing, though, he said that John Logan said uh, specifically talking about Amazon. And I think this is this is important, too. So I'll read this paragraph as well. He says about Amazon. Why worry about Amazon? Question mark. It's not that it's a bad faith company. It's that it's a global technology company with a more than one point six trillion dollar market capitalization that produces on a mass scale and is obsessed with the quote unquote customer experience. It's not necessarily a champion or guardian of artistic creativity or original entertainment. In the context of the larger company, Amazon Prime Video is not chiefly about artists. It's about attracting and retaining customers. And when bigger companies start having a say in iconic characters or franchises, the companies tend to want more, not better, and the quality differential can be can vary widely project to project. For example, see the rapidly expanding Star Wars franchise at Disney and the DC Comics franchises of Superman, Batman and others at Warner Brothers. So Arturius Maximus, before we get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what this acquisition means and the pluses, the minuses, the evils, the goods in your opinion, in our opinions, I wanted to talk about what just based on the early part of what John Logan said, what is what makes the Bond franchise different than these other franchises? You know, we have Star Wars. We talk about that a lot on Mad and Real Marvel, Indiana Jones, uh, the going all the way back to Rocky, um, the Sherlock franchise, which mm -hmm. uh, spans, mm -hmm. you know, as public domain spans both TV and film and books and everything else. Right. Um, and most recent, recently, Mission Impossible. Um, you, so we have all these franchises. What is different about the Bond franchise, in your opinion, than these other franchises? Well, the most obvious is that it it is under, at least as of very recently, under private control. Um, so it has the opportunity to be curated um in such a way that other franchises aren't able to. Mm -hmm. um, I think its place, I think the, the place of James Bond in, uh, in cultural history um, is really phenomenal. I, I, I believe that James Bond is the grandfather of, of Mission Impossible's Ethan Hunt. Mm -hmm. um, even uh, uh, the Mission, Mission Impossible television show in the 60s, um, with Peter Graves' um, portrayal as uh, what was his name? Because it wasn't Ethan Hunt. Was it Phelps? Oh, it's coming! It's coming! Jim Phelps. Jim Phelps was the lead, and uh, was the you know was the lead IMF um, agent for the Mission Impossible, 1966. So Ethan and, Hunt. I'm sorry, just sidetracking. I don't because I'm not as I'm not as familiar with that television show. Ethan Hunt was just created for the films. He wasn't a part of the. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I thought he was a part yeah. of the original television show. No, there's no Ethan Hunt. Wow. Um, okay, so this was an original character created for the mm -hmm. films. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll have to revisit that on our Mission Impossible episode whenever that happens, because I, I, di I didn't know that. That puts a different spin on that 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 franchise to me. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, um, the character is curated, and, and it's it's complete. It's solely centered around you know this one individual, the secret agent. Mm-hmm. And I think Mission Impossible, the modern film series, follows that same kind of model. You know, where Cruz protects Ethan Hunt and and you know tries to curate that character and character development mm-hmm. getting Describe, into his define, wife and d- define what you mean by because obviously we all know what the word curate means but in this context talk a little bit more about that because i think that's an interesting turn of phrase when i think about curation of a character versus what we're hearing because we curation is not something we hear a lot when we, we're talking about yeah. and you know from the from the the Hollywood insider route we don't hear from the articles that we read we don't see the word curation we see content creation you know mm-hmm. we need to create content we, we you see ip intellectual property so i i rarely see you know producers or studios or anyone else talking about how do we curate these stories and these characters mm-hmm. and these franchises mm-hmm. so talk a little bit more about that what do, what do you mean by that well you know a, a lot of it is things that you've actually said when we've had you know offline conversations i mean for example you'll never see You'll never see a James. You'll never see James Pond. James Pond. You'll never see see James Bond. (laughs) You'll see him across the pond, but you'll never (laughs) see James Bond on a McDonald's cup or a a McDonald's box of French fries. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll see Star Wars characters tied in with fast food chains all the time. Mm -hmm. You'll never see uh, Bond drinking Coke, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are several types of tie-ins with the character but they're very selective with who they do it with mm-hmm. breitling omega maybe um, basically products that fit into the james bond world so yeah aston you know, martin that's what i was trying to aston think of martin, you know right. aston martin there's always going to be you know a certain high line right, tie-in not- to james bond because the character needs to continue to represent a certain lifestyle Mm. and that lifestyle is portrayed in the films and it needs to be uh congruent to any anything bond is involved in outside of the cinematic experience that's an excellent point because you're not going to see bond um stopping at mcdonald's in the film or in the book you know what i'm saying so why would he yeah why would he so so i I get what you're saying then that is a definite point of curation you know what i'm saying Of, of making sure that there's a level like you said there's congruity there um, that is Congress. So that's that's an excellent point. So you that's a huge difference then between you. You, you talked about Star Wars, but um, also Indiana Jones or some of the Marvel mm-hmm. films. Um, there's a lifestyle component there that's not necessarily a part of because even yeah. with some of the Marvel stuff that's more grounded, um, say Daredevil or uh, Jessica Jones or, you know, mm-hmm. even in the films, you know, some of the more grounded characters there's not a lifestyle component, you know what I'm saying there. It's not like you're living the daredevil lifestyle, you know what I'm saying, or the Matt Murdock yeah. lifestyle. Um, yeah. But there is a lifestyle component with Bond. There is a lifestyle component with Bond. And we see the same kind of curation. Um, uh, Apple, just ironically, jumps to mind. Um, you and I both have had a litany of Macintosh computers. We have never, ever seen a sticker that says Intel inside Mm. denoting the type of microchip that is inside the computers, even though every other computer manufacturer Mm. that has an Intel supplied chip has that sticker on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because Mm -hmm. if you want to be involved in our brand, these are the kind of guidelines that you're going to have to 
agree to. And I believe that bond is positioned that way. Now, it's, for lack of a better word, it's curious to me that Eon would agree to sell 50% of the franchise to Amazon. And now, I don't know the intricacies of the deal, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but I do wonder if if MGM needed some or half of Bond to basically sweeten the deal with Amazon mm-hmm. um, in order to, you know, in order to make this, in order to make this work. Well, I, I think that for, for M for Amazon to purchase MGM, Eon had to be on board, you know, and, and this is a very, this brings up another mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. point. I, I mm-hmm. wish I would have time to do some research on this to figure this out before we record it. And maybe we'll figure it out afterwards, but I'm very curious to know, and I don't even know if it's something that's of, you know, is, if it's out in the public, if it's out in the public uh, domain or if it's public information, how long is the Eon contract with MGM, their current mm-hmm. contract? You know, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for this deal to go through, Amazon is not going to buy MGM if Eon jumps ship. You know what I'm saying? If, if Eon is right. like, you know what? Right. Our contract is up at the end of 2021, so we're out anyway. You know, say, so if you buy them, we're, we're leaving. That's not mm-hmm. going to happen because mm-hmm. the Bond franchise represents so much. MGM has a huge catalog. There's 4,000 titles, you know, that, that now Amazon mm-hmm. has access to. So, and, and there's franchises within those, within those uh, titles. And they're already talking about rebooting some of those franchises. So Bond is not the only, um, the only player in the room when it comes to MGM, but Bond is a huge player. And so mm-hmm. if Eon is not on board, I don't see Amazon making this purchase. So there had to be conversations there. But to yeah. your point, I wonder what was Eon's, you know, positioning where they were like, listen, we'll sign off on this. We'll, 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 we're okay with this as long as blank, you know? And to me, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that blank was like, listen, our situation with MGM does not change because MGM as a, co- a company is not going away. Amazon bought MGM. It's not like, the, you know, Amazon is replacing MGM. It's, you know, MGM mm-hmm. continues as a studio under Amazon now. I'm thinking that the Eon people were like, listen, we will say we'll we'll sign off on this. We'll give the okay, But understand our situation does not change. We own half Mm -hmm. of this. We have this amount of control and we're not giving that up, Mm -hmm. you know. But I think that which I think what you said about Barbara Broccoli, Michael Wilson saying, if you want to be a part of this brand, not just to Amazon, I'm talking about anybody. Yeah. One of the reasons, because that's that's the question is like, okay, what makes this different than other franchises when you have two people, essentially, and they have a staff, but we really comes down to these two people Mm -hmm. who are the curators of this franchise. Mm -hmm. Then if it's just coming from them and it's not coming from a huge board of directors or shareholders or this, that and the third, it makes it easier to say, here is our brand. If you're on board with this, we can we can do business. If not, we can't do business. That to me is one of the defining reasons or one of the things that makes this so different than other franchises. Star Wars, George Lucas, when he sells it to Disney, you know what I'm saying? It's like everything changes. You know, everything can change. It's like this. Mm -hmm. And John Logan, this line, I think one of the most important things that he said in this op-ed when he made the contrast, when he says, um, you know, I'm reading, I'm looking at it again when he says, when bigger companies start having a say in iconic characters or franchises, the companies tend to want more, not better, more. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the quality differential can vary widely project to project. And then he points out Star Wars. Now, just let, talk about that for a second, Arthur, because within Star I'm not, and I'm not picking on Star Wars, but right. just using, I think they're a great example because George Lucas, you know, owned, you know, he had complete control under Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Then he mm-hmm. sells Lucasfilm to Disney. And now, you know, to John Logan's point, we've gotten a lot more Star Wars, especially right. over the last, what, three, four years. We've gotten a lot right. more. But right. the quality some could argue not everyone because i know a lot of people love um the sequel trilogy but for some the quality has varied say between the theatrical releases and the streaming services when you look at uh mandalorian and clone wars season seven mm-hmm. a lot of people would argue that the quality of those things and the quality of the um, sequel trilogy is are two different things or the yes. quality of rogue one you know yes. versus the quality of the sequel yes. trilogy so Talk about about, about that, because I think that's an important point that John Logan made. I think it's an important point. I disagree not so much in the principle of what he was saying. I do agree with that. Um, but, uh, you know, specifically, and we've talked about on previous Man and Real shows, mm-hmm. how much we love Rogue One. Like, basically, how much we love Star Wars, with the exception of the last trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I know I have talked about the fact that the trilogy, and we can get into how, you know, it's really just the first three films remade, blah, blah, blah. But that the Mandalorian, Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Rogue One, they weren't so tied to the start to the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. So they it didn't need to fit inside this box. It actually had a much larger universe in which to draw storylines from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, let me say this first. So make no mistake. Disney is the 800 pound gorilla in this room. Mm-hmm. Disney has star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, and their own, classic catalog mm-hmm. right so they they have amusement parks they you know disney's got really really long money with that being aside i think that part of the amazon acquisition of mgm making sure that bond was a part of that was amazon paying for prestige mm. Instead of trying to take years and years and years to make something work of all of these Tom Clancy acquisitions, story mm-hmm. acquisitions. Right, you that's know, a good point. We got to let's we, we got to buy into this. Yeah, we yeah, got we bond. Got bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're at the table because I mean, otherwise, you know, if I don't know how much you mess with Prime Video, but Prime Video is like a value add. There mm-hmm. have been countless times in which I've searched for a film. And be like, okay, cool, it's on Prime Video. And then I go to Prime Video and they're hitting me up for like, you know, a rental fee or a purchase fee. Mm. Because that's not really included in Prime, Mm. you know. But what is included in Prime would be something like, you know, Weekend at Burnings 2 or something like that. (laughs) Something I just don't have any business, I just don't have any interest in, right? (laughs) You know, so this could be a move for from Amazon to be able to try to make some, some sense out of, mm-hmm. out of prime to level up, to level up to the other players in the room. Yeah. So let exactly. me, let me ask you this though, before we get deep, too deep with the, into, into Amazon, let me ask you this going back to these franchises mission and just flip back to Ethan hunt mission impossible, Ethan hunt. Okay. Yeah. Last 
three movies especially have just like taken this that franchise up to like a very high level right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tom cruise he's making they've got two more i think and i think you just emailed me or texted me the other day that um or maybe it was uh jay said that um the production, production was stopped. halted yeah the production yeah. Has stopped on the most recent one due to a COVID outbreak which is interesting but bottom line they got two more coming with tom cruise okay presumably i mean the man is getting close to 60 so i'm presuming he's going to retire at some point from a, the action franchise i don't know yeah he's still in, in incredible shape and doing all his stunts but if he when he walks away from mission impossible can they slot another actor into ethan hunt's role aka I think, or, you know ie as like, they do with james bond can they do that i that's a really good question i i think they're gonna have i think they can do it i think they can do it and um uh it's just that mission impossible is so closely tied to the star power of tom cruise right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I don't know if see here's what I think. I don't think that a Mission Impossible film without Tom Cruise would include Ethan Hunt. See, and this this is why you're getting you're getting to what I'm I'm looking at here because when we ask what makes the Bond franchise different, yes, we have all these business things. You know, like we talked about, I think you you articulated perfectly as far as the curation, the brand, mm-hmm. the yeah. um the way that um the uh, uh, the bar- the broccoli slash Wilson family is guardians, you know, of that. And, you know, from a business standpoint and mm-hmm. from a creative standpoint. Mm-hmm. But then there's mm-hmm. also in the actual filmmaking and the storytelling part of why this franchise is different than others. There are these tropes the 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 um, specter of James. or <laughs> Forgive the uh, guy. I, I can't believe I just said that, but forgive the pun. But the mm-hmm. specter of James Bond, of the character himself, is yeah. bigger than any actor. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it's like, mm-hmm. in going back to 1962 or 1963, I don't know if that was true because Connery became so big, you know, playing. He defined the role. He became James Bond, essentially. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. as fate would have it, when he bows out momentarily and Lazenby comes in, it proved oh, you can, even though the the film wasn't as heralded then as it is now, I think it's become like, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, um, the appreciation for Honor Majesty's Secret Service has gone, gone up tremendously. But what it did is it proved that James Bond is not one man. You know, James mm-hmm. Bond's big, he's bigger than that. And then when you saw when Live and Let Die happens, when Spy Who Loves Me happens, you know, it's like, this character becomes something that's bigger than any one actor. You've got the tropes, you have the Q, you have M, you have the cars, you have all these things that make James Bond who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the adjustments that were made, you know, to make sure that Bond stays in step with the current time. So mm-hmm. Bond, you can look at the Bond movies of the sixties and you get a sense of the sixties. You can look at the Bond movies of the seventies. You get a sense of the seventies, so on and so forth. The eighties movies resemble the eighties and capture that the zeitgeist of that time period. So I think that all these things come into play when it's like, okay, what makes Bond different than these other franchises? You can't Mm -hmm. say that about, I don't think you could say that about mission impossible. Like you said, if once Tom Cruise walks away, it's probably not going to be another Ethan Hunt or to probably be another character. Now, maybe that'll work out for them. And it's like, okay, we'll just keep the same trope of he gets the mission. The mission, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mm -hmm. will self-destruct and he'll have to, he or she, 
um, whoever is playing the lead role will have to figure them figure out how to accomplish an impossible task, you know, and that will be the structure of these films. And that will allow us to continue them after Tom Cruise walks away. Yeah. But I don't know if that's going to happen. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel like the same at this point, you know, we could, we could all be wrong, but it doesn't feel like that's going to be the same type of, um, the way that Lazenby was able to fit into the role and add his touch to it. The way that, you know, Roger Moore was able to fit into the role and add his touch Mm -hmm. to it. And then Dalton and then, uh, Pierce Brosnan and now Craig, it just feels a little different. So I, time, time will tell, you know, but right now sitting here with this discussion that you and I are having, I think that's one of the huge differences that we can say exists between bond as a franchise and mission impossible or Indiana Jones, you know, yeah. there's a, why didn't, how come no, there's never been another Indiana Jones other than, uh, 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 Harrison Ford, you know, it's like he, he, he defined that role to the point where Indiana Jones doesn't really exist outside of the idea right. of Harrison Ford, you know, um, because they need the, these other franchises need to answer the question. If Harrison Ford is not in the Brown fedora, our audience is going to go see the film. Right. Right. And the answer to that question is no. Mm-hmm. Now let me throw out two other ones though. Let, let me argue against this, argue against the uniqueness of bond just for a second, just for, um, just to be play devil's advocate, Sherlock and Sherlock Holmes and mm-hmm. Batman. Mm-hmm. We've seen Sherlock Holmes, I think, is in public domain. So, uh, you know, I could write a Sherlock Holmes story and, and we could produce it and film it if we wanted to. Um, yeah. I think that's how that works. So Sherlock Holmes, we've seen many different, you know, manifestations of Sherlock Holmes. There's even in, I believe it's in Japan, there's a female Sherlock Holmes um, series and, and Netflix Japan. So that's one. Then Batman. Next year, we're getting our, I don't know how many incarnations, theatrical, was it one, two, three, four, five, maybe five different actors have played Batman? I don't mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Um, theatrically, um, not counting television. But we're getting Robert Pattinson stepping into that role, you know. So can we argue, Arthur, that Batman and maybe Sherlock Holmes are level pegged with Bond in terms of, you know, being a unique cinematic franchise? Um. Hmm. I mean, you'd have to say yes. The obvious answer is yes. But what I am thinking about is how Sherlock Holmes and James Bond started out as literary characters, mm-hmm. and then how Batman started out as a comic book franchise. Um, the obvious differentiating, differ, differentiating, differ. The difference <laughs> about those characters is that Batman is in a mask. He's in a costume. Mm-hmm. So not that the actor is irrelevant, but that you're paying to see someone whose face you inherently aren't supposed to see. Mm-hmm. But So Batman, I think the context is different there. But the Batman character, I think the one thing we can say is that Batman as a character is bigger than any actor. We can say that, right? I mean, yes, we can say okay. that. So we that's, that's the similarity that. between him and Bond and Sherlock, even though I still think, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, and maybe what's my man's name, Basil, um, Rath, Rathbone, Rathbone, yeah. um, maybe of, of all the Sherlock's, those two, you know, captured and defined Sherlock in a way that no one else has. 
I still think the character of Sherlock or the idea of Sherlock as a, you know, as a character is just bigger than any actor. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there is a similarity, but there's still that lifestyle component. And I'm glad you brought that up earlier, because I think that's one of the huge things that just differentiates Bond from everyone else. There is a lifestyle and branding that doesn't exist um, for instance, with Batman. Now we know in the comics and on the film, Batman does present a certain lifestyle um, in terms of not just his clothing or um, where he hangs out, but in terms of tone, you know, yeah. especially over the last few films, there's a level of danger and grimness and, you know, um, uh, seriousness that exists within the empathos that exists within the Batman universe mm, mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, why is that on a fast food, you know, rapper? That doesn't make sense to me, but it is, mm. you know, DC mm-hmm. licenses that stuff out. Cause it's like, Hey, we're about the kids too. So let's put this in McDonald's or Burger yeah. King or wherever. Yeah. Whereas with, to your point earlier with bond, there is a, higher level of curation i think with mm-hmm. bond than any other franchise so i think that's i think for, for me that's the biggest that's the biggest difference between bond and these other franchises can i bring up another franchise that admittedly i know next to nothing about mm-hmm. fast and the furious okay they got nine films the last couple did well over a billion dollars worldwide at the box office mm-hmm. to me it's like the same story over and over again, but they slot in different types of star power. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel being the most consistent. You know, you've got Tyrese and Ludacris thrown in there a few times. The Rock has been in, you know, the the most recent ones, except for the the one that's really out now. I think it's uh uh nine, F nine. Yeah, I think that um, comes out does that come out this year or next year? It's or, out now. Oh, it's out now. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so you're t- we're talking about a franchise that now is 20 years old too. Mm-hmm. This is this is in the conversation, mm-hmm. and you know, unfortunately, I can't have it without you know knowledge. But what I can say is that we've got films that neither you or I are interested in seeing, mm-hmm. um, even though our even though our peers are in the film like i've gone to see both jumanji films i've got no interest in seeing the rocks fast and furious films Mm -hmm. because i just don't that's just that's not it right right right. you see what Mm -hmm. i'm saying Mm -hmm. um but a generation or two behind us they're going to see this film Mm -hmm. so though is the difference though between because we're talking about those are ensemble films i don't know a lot about them either but they are ensemble picks you know the fast and furious yeah. And it is a style of filmmaking, I think, that, you know, because from what I understand, the most ridiculous of the most ridiculous, you know, stunts and things happen in those films. Um, and they're treated seriously within the movies. Mm-hmm. So if, if to me, it feels like the difference between that and, say, some of the other franchises we mentioned is that we're not focusing on a lead character, you know, saying or a lead even two characters in the case of like Sherlock and, you know, uh, Holmes and Watson. Um, we're focusing on an ensemble group and the focus really is not so much on them as characters as it is on the, what they do, you know, the action of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a spy component to it. There's like a, you know, a, a government agency, CIA. So kind of like a mashup component of different to it, things. Right. Yeah. I mean, a friend of mine told me, hey, Arthur, you you really got to look at, you've got to look at the film in the same way that you look at superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, 
a man really isn't flying through the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, these cars really aren't jumping the Grand Canyon and landing on all, all four tires you know, with just a little dent on the undercarriage. You know, uh, you've no got to look at them with a completely different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, John Wick is a growing franchise also. Uh, now, now, I don't want to stray too far outside of the scope of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I did feel that Fast and the Furious is a viable film franchise mm-hmm. to talk about in this conversation. Yeah, it at least has to go without mention. With, mm-hmm. It has to be mentioned in this conversation because mm-hmm. we are dealing with a 20-year-old franchise. And these films are making money. They're continuing to make money. And uh, on, uh, obviously audiences are going to go see them. Um, you know, but if they went away, would people miss them? Because to me, yeah. it's like if if Mission Impossible went went away, would I would I miss it? Mm-hmm. I don't think I would miss it as much as I enjoy the films, particularly the most recent ones. Like I would miss James Bond, right? Or, Cause, right, because Bond has become because just for one thing, I think just speaking about Fast and the Furious, I'm sure that all the Bond fans listening now are probably like, well, with Fast and the Furious, if 30 years from now Fast and the Furious is still around and has made. Yeah you know, continuously made films every four to five to six years or whatever, mm-hmm. then they can put, be put in that conversation. Um, so that, I think that's a big difference off the, off the bat. But then to your point, I think that bond, because it, because the bond movies represent different eras, we all, you know, especially people who really like bond, it's like, you can mm-hmm. pick out a bond that represents your era or you grew up with this bond. You know, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm, even if mm-hmm. you're not really into Bond, you you can if you're even if you're only kind of like sort of kind of into the movies, you know what Bond, what Bond actor, and what kind of what what were the films around that kind of defined you when you were growing up. You know, your growing up mm-hmm. period. You know, so I think there's a a visceral and a kind of an emotional connection maybe to these films, even if you're not really into them. You know, oh yeah, that you know Roger Moore, he was around. You know, when I was a kid, that was who Bond was. You know. Um, or maybe it was Pierce Brosnan, you know? So I I think that's the difference though, but let's, this all brings to, this all brings us, I think, to the, the big question question. of this episode, everything that we've talked about so far, all the differences, all the nuances about bond versus other franchises, not necessarily saying that bond is better at X, you know, than this franchise, but just the differences that we've talked about and the uniqueness of the bond franchise, does does all of those do all of those things make Bond, quote unquote, the most important franchise in cinema? Meaning important, meaning not greatest, not the best, but just going back to what John Logan said about how Bond is different as a franchise because of the control, because of the to to use your term, the curation of the of Eon over the Bond mm-hmm. franchise, mm-hmm. how unique that is within Hollywood. You know, that's not. That's not Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is not curated that way. Marvel's not curated that way. Even though Marvel, even though Kevin Feige has has very carefully orchestrated, you know, all of these films, there's a difference there between, you know, the the very tight knit family that's overseeing Bond. There's just a just huge difference there. So do do those differences, Arthur, make Bond the most important franchise in cinema right now? Give me a yes or no answer. I'll accept nothing less. No. But I will accept more. <laughs> no, you said no. no. Okay. All right. So why? Why not? Because I I feel that Bond as a character 
it's legacy at this point. Mm-hmm. You're using legacy in a semi, almost like a past tense. Like you're saying, like it's 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 a legacy that doesn't need to continue the way it's, it's continued or way it's happened right. in the past. Is that what you're saying? Right, right. So you're yeah. putting it on the shelf. I'm saying that it can be put on the shelf. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. Talk, I'm saying talk that it can be that. put on the shelf. So, and this is a bad comparison, but this is the best that I have right now. Mm-hmm. The Christopher Nolan Batman films. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to, we have our issues with Batman, that, or rather we have our issues with The Dark Knight Rises, but mm-hmm. those three films are the gold standard of Batman on screen. More than the Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Tim Burton film mm-hmm. from from 1989, right? Those are, those are the ones. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Heath Ledger for me retired the Joker. Seeing the Joker on screen is not an attraction to me, you know, any longer because Heath Ledger did it. Right. Um, those films are legacy. I'll go back to them. I'll continue to watch them because. That those were just good movies, particularly the first two, Batman mm-hmm. Begins and The Dark Knight. Um, Bond films. There are several over the years. There are several that I go back to in that same kind of way. Mm-hmm. It you know, um, am I saying that James Bond has run his course? That's what it sounds um, like you're saying. <laughs> yeah, That's like I, it I mean, like, like af- after this, after this Daniel Craig movie, put it like this: you know, I wasn't checking for James Bond for a while, definitely during the Brosnan years. Mm-hmm. I know you really like Goldeneye, and frankly, I, I I really haven't watched Goldeneye in its entirety. But that's a whole other mm, series of conversations. Interesting. Right? Okay, we'll come. Back I saw to the that. one with Halle Berry in it. Okay, die another day <laughs> so yeah and that, just, and that murder oh. that killed it for you that you were done with yeah bond. that just right. absolutely killed right. it right mm-hmm. so when casino royale happened i didn't see it day one but after but after either you know seeing reading you know reviews and how good craig was in the role and how the story had shifted and i really wasn't hip to the fact that oh they were just going back to the timothy dalton playbook when i saw that bond i was like okay th- this is it you back in and I'm back in. Right. Maybe that can happen again. You know, maybe lightning can strike twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this one, I- I'm not saying that it's going to go back to die another day. Mm-hmm. I have high hopes for no time to die. Uh, die, 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 die. But um, if there was, if if Bond was retired, mm-hmm. if they didn't find a suitable actor for it. If they only Amazon wanted to just do spinoffs and, and TV series and get out of the film release, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't I wouldn't feel a loss mm. in mm. that way because I have these other films. You got twenty five films that I can go back to. Some of which I haven't seen that are actually good. Mm-hmm. Dalton films, you know the early Brosnan films. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. I think that Amazon bought into prestige, but I think they bought into legacy prestige. Mm. So you don't, oh, that's, that's very, very interesting. Okay. Are you, you're, cause my answer to the question of whether or not the bond franchise is the most important in cinema, my answer is yes. 
But I, mm-hmm. but before I get to the reason why I say yes, let me just say that your answer is very intriguing to me and sways me a little bit because that legacy, because I, I feel I've always kind of, you know, I felt that same way sometimes even about Star Wars when everybody was, you know, bitching and moaning about the sequel trilogy, which like you said earlier, neither you or I really enjoyed, but I was fine with everybody else who did love it. And I felt mm-hmm. like, hey, after mm-hmm. when I walked out of Rise of Skywalker, it's like this, I didn't dig that, didn't feel it. But you know what? I got all this other content, you know, all this right. other. Well, see, Star Wars, you know, Star you can Wars. recycle the hero's journey again and again and again and again. The hero's journey has been a template for so much mm-hmm. content over the years. You know, Tolkien, the, the Hobbit series, the Lord of the Rings series, you right. know, Rogue One, Jin's journey. I mean, you can recycle that over and over again. And, and you can re- recycle it for the younger audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so Star Wars, I mean, I, I, I kind of think that that's Star Wars. I think kind of think that's the most important franchise mm. because you've got scalability to that bond is dependent upon whether or not you care about that luxury lifestyle that mm. you care about a spy trying to save the world from some, you know, random recurring evil, rich genius. Mm. So let me let me say this because and again I I'm gonna I'm, there's some do some diametric opposition because my answer yeah. is going to be yes the Bond franchise currently is the most important franchise in cinema but here's my reason mm-hmm. and I'm gonna read again another paragraph from um from John Logan's op-ed um so he 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 points to because my reasons are artistic you know my mm-hmm. reasons come back to what you said I, I'm gonna keep coming back to this because I think you articulated it so perfectly. It comes back to curation versus content, content Mm -hmm. creation. So curation Mm -hmm. versus content creation. So this is what John Logan said, um, another paragraph from his op-ed. And I'll just say, I think he gets a a little bit, um, there's a little bit of hagiography in this. I think he gets too, um, well, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about that. So he says, when you're making a movie, you need a champion to fight battles. Barbara and Michael are the champions of James Bond. They keep the corporate and commercial pressures outside the door, nor are they motivated by them. That's why we don't have a mammoth Bond cinematic universe with endless anemic variations of 007 sprouting up on TV or streaming or in spinoff movies. Mm -hmm. The Bond movies are truly the most bespoke and handmade films I've ever worked on. Mm -hmm. That's why they are original thorny, eccentric, and special. They were never created with lawyers and accountants and e-commerce mass marketing pollsters hovering in the background. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, I think it's a little, it's a little hagiographic the way he, you know, like he says, you know, they're never motivated by marketing concerns. That's not true. You know, you can, <laughs> right, you can right. look at some of the Bond films, the BMW in, uh, uh, you know, Tomorrow Never Dies or um, in Die Golden Another Eye. Day. Um, yeah, you definitely. can see, you can definitely see, you know, there are, there's been times within the bond movies where there was marketing people in the room, you know, it's the like there, was, mm-hmm. there was decisions made, you know, so what he's saying, I don't a hundred percent agree with, but his overall point, I think is the reason why I say this franchise is so important is because this is a type of movie making that is rapidly dying in Hollywood, you know, mass, you know, content creation. Um, how much can we squeeze out of this, you know, one thing that is pretty much the overall it's, you know, again, from the outside looking in and just reading the trades and, you know, looking at certain articles and hearing people talk about it, 
that is the overall thinking in Hollywood now. How can mm-hmm. we take this one thing that was either massively popular or even mm-hmm. just a little bit popular and squeeze, I think the phrase is squeeze the turnip or get blood out of a turnip or whatever that phrase is that old people say, get as much out of that as possible. And it's not about the art. I mean, listen, let's be, you know, again, let's not all be idealistic here. Hollywood, you know, anything produced on a mass scale is not a hundred percent about art. That's been the, right. that's been since time immemorial. That's, that's just, that's just how it is. But when talking about Hollywood in particular, and you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on films, mm-hmm. um, you know, thousands of people involved in the production of a movie, all the stakes are raised and creating art. I'm sure you could talk to, you know, from the writers, the producers, the directors, um, the actors, you can talk to a lot of them and they'd be like, art is like not even, it may, I don't know if it's in the top 10 on the list of things that we need to check off, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe in the top 20, but it's not high up there. Um, it's about content creation and how can we get as many people as possible to see this film, especially, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about mainstream films here, mm-hmm. not art house mainstream. And so that seems to be the prevailing attitude in Hollywood right now in something like bond, even though it is also influenced you know, like I said, by, by marketing decisions, it is not as heavily, it's obviously not as heavily influenced as, um, um, those outside forces as mm-hmm. other seri- other franchises mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's controlled only by a few people. You know, they have huge artistic control over this thing, which is never going to happen again, probably, you know, as long as big behemoth, you know, um, corporations like Amazon or Apple or, um, Netflix or whoever, are, you know, mm-hmm. in charge of making these films, you're not going to get two people who are basically the stewards of this enormous franchise, you know, a billion dollar Skyfall made a billion dollars, you know what I'm saying? And two people were at the top of that, that heap, you know, as far as like guiding yeah. and controlling that, that's not going to happen again. So that's why, in my opinion, is so important because it represents something that is quickly fading. And we, as an audience, I think suffer from that. We're, it's, you know, let's talk about Marvel. We talked about Star Wars for a lot. Let's talk about Marvel for a second. Um, we're both you and I are fans of what Kevin Feige as a producer and the, you know, the mm-hmm. head producer of, of the Marvel um, of the MCU. We're fans of what he's done, but that even that, you know, there's a wide variation in quality amongst those films. You know, there's a lot of them. Yeah, were excellent. A lot of them were just good. Very few of them, I think, were like horrible or poor. But right. you know, a lot of them. There's there's a, there's a difference there. And also, when Kevin Feige steps away, who's to say what's going to happen with that? You know, that franchise. Who's right. to, who's to say what's going to happen with that? Um, right. When we look at some of the television series, I to be quite honest, I didn't. There, you know, Marvel's the MCU on Disney Plus so far has not wowed me. You know, um, both. WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier did not knock me off my feet, you know? So Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a, you know, when you are talking about, okay, we have to have, we've got all this content. We need to create more content, blah, 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 blah. Though the quality level starts dropping to me. But you're talking about story. The story didn't knock you out. It wasn't that the effects were subpar. 
it wasn't it wasn't that they didn't have the same people playing you know reprising those roles it wasn't unfamiliar they introduced other things they developed you know the monica rambo character for 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 one division so you know they brought back zemo and we can debate whether or not you know it was good or bad or indifferent but you're 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 talking about the story story, and i'm not saying that as a as a problem Mm -hmm. but i am saying i am saying that they need to learn how to make theatrical releases into bite-sized episodic television Right, because when you say when you, when you say you're you're saying story, I am talking about story, but I'm talking about ultimately I'm talking about the finished product. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So the finished okay. product to me hasn't been great on Disney Plus, and Loki is coming out um, this week, and then we're going to do an episode on that, which will be mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how how it continues, but so far, yeah. Uh, other because you know Star Wars to me, their Disney Plus output has been excellent. You know, saying you know, Mandalorian. But it's and also Clone been Wars cartoons. Well, okay, okay, Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I'm sorry, but so, yes, yes, yes. But uh, you know, again, like I said before, I don't differentiate between cartoon and live action in terms of whether or not mm-hmm. it, you know the quality how 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 it needs to come across. So, but ultimately, I feel that the Bond franchise right now is the most important because of what it represents. All you right. see what I'm saying? And it's like yeah. once that goes away, we may not get that again. You know, ever. You know, that type of curation you know to use your point so that's i think that's where you i I agree like you said the legacy part i'm kind of i'm kind of with you on that although Mm -hmm. i'm a little bit different Mm -hmm. like i want to see it continue like i'm not i don't know if i'm quite where you're at where i'm like okay if we just if no time to die is like one of the greatest bond movies ever we put it on the shelf and then we're good you know Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm at that point yet because it's like i kind of want to see okay what is the next step you know can they do it again you know Mm -hmm. um the last you know if you look at Casino Royale, if you look at GoldenEye, Living Daylights, and Live and Let Die, we've had this string of great first films for the new Mm -hmm. Bond actors. You know what I'm saying? It's like we get these. So it's like, can they do that again? And I want to see that continue. I'm not sure if I'm ready just to see it become um you know mick you know mick bond you know what i'm saying as far as like yeah. just no i'm with you i don't i don't want yeah. to either i guess i guess the magic of james bond and being able to scale was that it it went from small world dr no to globalized world in inspector mm-hmm. you know and now the world is starting to feel smaller again mm. You mean because the world of Bond, or the you the, the world period? The, the world you period. know the, the 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 smallness of the Cold War, mm-hmm. the isolation, the for us about us. It's all about us, and but we're just going to be hypocrites and you know do all this other kind of stuff. It's it's coming back to that, mm. and it has come back to that in these last few years. Mm. Um, so what? what's the spy stage going to look like then? Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, yeah, Russia's becoming question. our enemy again. Okay. But we, it, it, in the United States, we don't even believe our own shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So how's that work? So let me ask you, and I think that's a, and maybe that'll be part two of this. Conversation. It's like us against us, then a, maybe them now, as opposed right. to us versus them, which is much right. more concrete. I mean, and it's worth noting that some of the best spy fiction on television that's come out recently has been about the past. You know, if you look at the Americans, um, which is one of my favorite series, you know, probably top 20 of all time. Um, If you look at that, you know, that takes place in the eighties. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a series. Um, oh God, his name is leaving me now. It's a German series. It was on, uh, I believe it was on FX. Um, uh, I don't know why I sleep. Oh, something was it? Uh, ugh, I sleep in my mind. Something 1983. Um, I think it was uh, Germany 1983 or uh, something like that. So anyway, that took place in the eighties. So it, 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 I think it's notable that, you know, we're not getting like 2021, spy thrillers you know that are blowing up you know i think it's like they they keep going back to the cold war so okay so before we wrap up though i wanted to ask you um based on everything we've said you know whether or not we have you know excitement about the amazon acquisition of mgm whether we have mm-hmm. foreboding about the the whole mm-hmm. what the future of bond whether or not whatever we whatever feelings we have for it it's happened it's happening yeah you know amazon yeah. is buying mgm um yeah. No Time to Die is probably going to come out theatrically. The, the Listen, uh, Barbara Broccoli and, and, and Michael Wilson were quick. I think it was the same day or it was the next day. They were quick on the it's immediately when it was announced. They mm-hmm. released their own statement to make sure motherfuckers know. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are committed. I think their exact words were, we are committed to seeing Bond continue theatrical release. So it was like, yeah. don't think that this means bond showing up on Amazon prime in October. It's not happening. So they were, they were, they were quick on it, you know, to make sure that that's known, but putting that aside for a second, Arthur, let me ask you, do you like, do you think that um, this should expand bond? Do you want to see the bond universe expand? Do you think that within the coming years, there should be a streaming series or spinoff films or more books? I would be interested, but I would be interested in seeing, in seeing um, an expanded, universe if you will i mean i you know amazon didn't pay for legacy regardless of what i my view about it they paid for the future the here and now in the future and i think the future for amazon is to do like a jack ryan with uh my man uh john um um krasinski krasinski thank you Mm -hmm. um where and you know i kind of want you to say because i know that you've been really you know, hope for something like this, but you know, a certain CIA agent that is mm. a real good, mm. <laughs> a real good counterpart to Bond. Lighter, you know, yeah, Jeffrey Wright lighter um, series that would H- be HBO series that would be absolutely Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, th- that would be great, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you know, if the pandemic has taught us nothing, is that hey, these films look really good on our TVs. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're tech companies. But what we're really talking about are vehicles for distribution. They're getting this contact to be able to distribute them through their devices. You know, the, the Prime TV, the Echoes, mm-hmm. the Apple TV, the Rokus. The, the, that's, what, that's what this is about. It's about controlling distribution and getting exclusive content to be able to attract people, not only to their services, but also to the hardware in which they're able to consume right. these services. The devices, right. So the game becomes, are these tech companies smart enough to realize that they are not movie studios? Mm. Well, I don't know. I think that's, I I agree with you. I think that's probably one of the most important questions on the table is whether or not they're going to realize that, that they're not a movie studio. I think if we look at um, AT&T, what happened recently, I think they're getting there, finally realizing we don't don't know what we're doing with this, you know, AT&T Warner Brothers thing. So we're going to move this here and sell this Mm -hmm. and do that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, so the past has proven that some of these outside Hollywood, you know, giant corporations, when they get involved, they don't have the best track record of, you know, utilizing the film studios that they've just purchased um, in Mm -hmm. the right way. 
Now, let me say this to, to wrap up, though. I think that for me, I like I said before, I'm not in the favor. If you if there's a new Bond film every two, three years in the theaters, mm-hmm. I'm good. Like, really, mm-hmm. I'm straight. I don't need, you know, TV series and, you know, all this. I don't really need all that. But and the one thing I will say is that kind of just a devil's advocate for um, or against myself, but devil's advocate for more a, a, an expanded, you know, quote unquote Bond universe, just to play that out for a second. Barbara Broccoli, Michael G. Wilson, um, they're old school, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to me, that's good in many ways. Mm-hmm. But one mm-hmm. of the ways that it may be negative is that they've been slow. The Bond franchise, because like we, you and I had a long discussion about it in our um, 007 and counting um, from last year. We talked about what it means to be a black bond fan, you know, to be a BIPOC right. bond fan. What does that mean? And all the contradictions and the, um, uh, you know, just the, the angst or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Dealing with, you know, the, the, the white supremacy and dealing with the, the misogyny and the patriarchy of the bond franchise, because of all those things, the bond franchise remains white male fantasy, right? Right. Um, and Eon as a studio comes from a white male fantasy world that it mm-hmm. started these mm-hmm. in the 1960s, mm-hmm. um, both, you know, and I'm not pointing fingers at Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson. I don't know them from Adam. I don't know their politics, but I'm just saying based on what you see on screen, the Bond franchise, even though you have certain characters who um, who live outside of those, you know, those stereotypes as a whole, this still, the, the franchise still exists in that white male fantasy world. Right. The only thing I could, would, would hope for if I, if that, if, you know, if, if Amazon's involvement with with MGM causes, um, the bond franchise to expand or the universe to expand is that we would see a, for, to use your example, a Felix lighter, Jeffrey Wright, Amazon prime television show that actually not only that just doesn't carry on the ethos of the bond films. In other words, it explores new ground. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We see, you know, Jeffrey Wright, Felix Leiter, not just as we see him, not just as Felix Leiter. We see him as a black man in the CIA. You know, what does mm-hmm. that mean? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. could we go mm-hmm. that route? Could we, ex- mm-hmm. could we explore those things? I, I'm not interested in seeing, you know, him as a CIA agent, um, Felix Leiter just, you know, doing, you know, saving the world every, every, uh, every week or whatever yeah. for the, every episode that doesn't yeah. interest me. So what I'm saying is that if there's the potential for us to explore new things in the BIPOC realm in the, um, if with female characters, you know, if there's the exam, if there's ways to expand that and actually break out of the mold of this complete white male fantasy, when it comes to the bond, I, mm-hmm. I, I, that would interest me. But Arthur, mm-hmm. the, the 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 odds of that happening, as you know, are slim and null. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's yeah, probably but I mean, not going to okay. happen. Lashana Lynch, though, like her character, we, we don't know no, what she's going to do. We haven't here. seen No Time to Die. We have you're right. We haven't yeah. seen No Time to Die. But yeah, let's be honest. It's it's much harder because they've done things in the past. You know, there's been quote unquote strong female characters and this that. There's been things in the past that they've done. You know, um, going all the way back to. Uh, um, some of the characters and live and let die or, you know, whatever. There's been things that they've done, you know, that, yeah. that, that, you know, broke the mold of what was happening in cinema at that time. But overall it's all in the context of, again, the white male fantasy. So mm-hmm. no argument. I don't see no time to die, you know, really jumping out of that completely. Maybe, maybe they will. I don't know, you know, but one well, television doesn't. would be a better place to do that. Mm-hmm. 
as we've seen with television books you know there's a there's a you know there's yeah. a lot of games there's just a lot of room and just ground that you can kind of like you know move around in I, yeah. I think that would be interesting but other than that, to be honest with you, I'm good with just getting a Bond movie every three years. If they, mm-hmm. if Amazon's involvement with MGM can actually step that, that because I mean, look at the look at the gap between um, Casino Royale and No and Die Another Day. Look at the gap between uh, uh, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. Now we got the gap between Spectre and No Time to Die, even though some of mm-hmm. that is pandemic related. Mm-hmm. There's these huge gaps you know, between these films now. And it's like, look how many films Connery made. Connery made what five films in five years, <laughs> you know, six years or something like that. It's like Daniel Craig only has, is going to finish his, ten- finish his tenure with five films. Oh, since 2006, that's you know, nuts, it's like, that's crazy. So yeah. if Amazon's involvement can step that up, that would be fantastic. But I don't necessarily need this expansion of the universe. Um, that's not something that, that I need. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Time will tell. So we'll keep our eyes on this. And um, I think probably, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see, obviously we're not going to see anything major, any shifts happen this year. I don't, you know, I think No Time to Die is going to roll out, barring any pandemic-related issues, um, mm-hmm. when it's supposed to roll out. But, you know, we'll we'll probably have to revisit this next year when things start, announcements start happening, you know. And it's like, oh, that series that, you know, we thought may happen is actually going to happen. Or yeah. they've, they announced, you know, where the next Bond film will happen in t- 2024 or whatever, 2023, which means we know we're going to get an announcement about it, who the next actor is going to be to play the role. So, um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye out on it. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they, if they do a billion dollars on this movie. Uh, it'll be, you know what? There was that one, who was that? Edgar, uh, what was the director's name? I forgot. He did, um, um, he was supposed to do Ant-Man and he did, uh, Baby Driver, Edgar, oh God, his name's last name is escaping me, but he, remember I, I sent it to you. So he, uh, he got a peek, I guess, at a film. He didn't say it was Bond. He didn't say it was No Time to Die, but yeah. he was like, I saw one of the most anticipated, you know, films of 2020. I just saw it and it's just all, you know, he was just giving all this praise and right. Bond, Edgar Wright. Edgar, Edgar, I'm Wright. Sorry. Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright on yeah, Twitter. So the, and the Bond community was like, he must be talking about No Time to Die. So, you know, Going back to when, you know, I haven't looked at the trailer and, you know, since last year when it was supposed mm-hmm. to come out, but just going back to that and what we know about the film, uh, it's it's looking really good, man. It's looking really, really good. So hopefully on October 8th here in the United States, we'll, you and I will be able to sit down, watch it and then jump on the mic and talk about it. All right. That's it. Yep. It is a wrap. Uh, episode 38. Good Lord, man. 38. Bad Unreal. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are dear audience on twitter hashtag mad unreal both myself and isaac uh will see them uh interact and um i will staunchly agree with uh everything that you think isaac missed and got wrong <laughs> right in this as discussion. always as always so uh cool. we'll be back with uh i don't know what we're gonna talk about next although loki's coming Loki. that's 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 Loki. that's what's next yep coming up so we talk about that next week all right see you next show peace keep it unreal